Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, oh, you podcast. Hello, welcome to the oh, you podcast. And today, we have a very special guest, Dean Andrews. Dean, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Dean, I'm not even going to try and say your full title. Can you tell us what, uh, what your role is here? So my, my current uh, role is now the Associate Director of the Office of Public Affairs. Can um, you say that three times fast? <laughs> Associate Director of the Office of Public Affairs, Associate Director, see, I already, I already stumbled. See, it's hard, it's crazy. You can't, you can't get it right. <laughs> it's a lot of words. So what does that mean? What do, what do you do? So the Office of Public Affairs was recently created uh, during the beginning of your tenure to, to help um, consolidate several departments. As you know, the OU has like 14 departments and the Office of Public Affairs combines the operations of all the outward facing, you know, elements of the OU. So there's the, our, our fundraising department, our OU Marcom department, and then the national and state advocacy um, organizations. And so my primary focus uh, within that role is teach coalition because that is our our biggest operation when it comes to, to advocacy right now in, in, at the OU. But I also work directly under Maury and, you know, and any number of things. I have to switch hats between fundraising, Marcom, or political stuff. Okay, that's a lot. It's a, it's a, <laughs> big, it's a big job. Um, and we're going to jump into that in a second. But let's rewind a little bit. I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I grew up in New York, in, in uh, Brighton Beach, South Brooklyn, like, um, and also Coney Island area. My father's originally from Russia, so that's where we ended up. We ended up in Brighton Beach, and then I ended up moving to Bensonhurst and spent most of my childhood in South Brooklyn. Um, but then after 9-11, my family decided to make a big change, and, and I was in the middle of high school at the time, and we decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee. So I finished high school and went to college in Middle Tennessee. Um, and where I, you know, I, I, I was a big culture shock for me at the time. Must have been. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, so you were, you were a high schooler. Yeah. You had known Brooklyn. Yeah. Only Brooklyn. And now you're in Nashville. Right. Yes. So, so I, I was like a, a big, a big fish in a small pond, you know, and, and it was really funny to everybody known me as a New Yorker and everything. And that's, that was what I laid upon for a while. Just, you know, I'm from New York. I'm the guy from New York. But then after time, you know, I fell in love with Nashville, the culture there, the music scene there. And um, I ended up in high school getting involved in a band. Did you, get, did you become a big Elvis guy? Is that? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, my, my, my brother, his name is Presley. And my family named him after Elvis Presley. Wow. And he was born in Nashville. So. Okay. So wait, <laughs> so you, you started your own band? Yeah. So like in high school, I was really into punk rock. And so we, I, I started the band in high school. And we did a few shows, but it was just kind of a side project and things like that. Are you still in a band? No, not anymore. I still play guitar and bass and some other, you know, I make beats and stuff sometimes. But these days I have, I'm too busy with my family and stuff to really like focus on it. But I love to, to play whenever I can. So you say, so we're jumping now a little bit, but you say you're too busy with your family. Right. You just had a, a nice yes. addition to the family. Yes, that's right. My son Arlo. How's uh, Arlo doing? Born. He's doing great. You know, he's he's three and a half months old. Wow, my little mini me. You know, so anytime I'm I'm not here, does he I'm, have I the same him. kind of beard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's growing out his beard right now. You know, um, but he's 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 the 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 love of my life right now. I can't him and my and I have two other uh, older stepsons who who are um, 
nine and, and 14. So we have a growing family wow. and you know, wow. it's, a, it's a great big family. Yeah. It's a big family. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you end up in Nashville, right? Playing in a punk rock band, right? <laughs> um, with your brother named for Elvis Presley, right? Right. Okay. So somehow you made it back to New York. Yeah. So it's a very interesting journey, I would say, because when I when I went to college in Tennessee, my background was in like show business. I, I actually studied theater and stagecraft, and I went to college to go to to pursue that. And then shortly, and I had gotten a special recommendation to get into a, a like a higher level stagecraft course because I had a professor in high school that was connected to the school. And I thought that that's where I was heading and I was gonna move back to New York and join theater and be, and then my father has a background in theater. But that um, after getting into the first semester, I, I realized very shortly after that I, this wasn't really suited for me, especially stagecraft. And I, I ended up in that same semester, took a political science course and it, it changed my life. I was I fell in love with political science. I always, always loved Where was history. this? Middle Tennessee State University. And I changed my my major the next semester to uh, political science pre law, and 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 just dove into that. Um, and so I, right out of college, I went into I'd done pre law and I became a paralegal. And I was immediately working in criminal civil defense. I worked in a nonprofit legal firm. Where was this? This was right out of college. This was in Nashville, downtown Nashville. And so I was working in uh, criminal courts there, the juvenile courts, um, working on any number of with a, a consortium of attorneys. I ended up moving back to New York, and then I ended up at uh, in the the legal offices of Proskauer Rose, where our your, your predecessor Alan Fagan, the legendary Alan Fagan, was the chairman at the time. And I, you know, through a series of internal moves, I ended up working directly for Mr. Fagan, and he had just stepped down as the chairman. Alan Fagan to this day is is one of my greatest mentors and greatest teachers, and so I worked for him at Proskauer for about two years until he retired and then became, and he was already on the board of the OU. And I was familiar with the OU from, from that. And then, you know, I was still at the law firm when he became the chair, the CEO of the OU in back in, I think it was 2010 and um, around then. And he asked me to come over to help run his office and be his executive office manager. And that's what I did for until 2020 when he retired. Wow. What's the most interesting case you ever worked on, whether in the juvenile courts or working with uh, at Proskauer? I don't know if you can go into details, but. <laughs> right. So, well, I worked at a, a, a small um, uh, nonprofit legal firm that, that uh, in Tennessee for a short time. And they, they had a class action law, lawsuit against the state of Tennessee representing all the Medicare, Medicaid recipients of the, of the state Medicaid program of, of Tennessee. And, and it turns out that there were there was a huge mismanagement of that program where, you know, in a, you know, a lot of cases where children were not getting the services that they needed uh, that were, you know, they were supposed to be getting through their insurance, whether it was mental health services or health services. And my job when I was working at this this law, this nonprofit uh, was was going through the case evidence and reading the testimonies of of uh, the children and their, their advocates and, and some of the heart wrenching stories that they had to deal with. and coding that and documenting that for this massive case that um, is, is, uh, now has changed the law in Tennessee wow. and, and, and helped you know, get more services for the kids that need it the most. It's pretty remarkable how much you've accomplished in your young <laughs> career. Right. Um, and your story from Brooklyn to Nashville, to punk rock, to right. you know, 
juvenile courts and defending those who need it. Um, I've been told that one of my greatest mistakes was not holding on to you in the office of the executive <laughs> uh, and letting you go work for Maury. Right. What's it like working for Maury? Maury is a right. He's really fun to work for. And, um, you know, I, I came into it after Alan Fagan retired. He, he reached out to me to see if, the, you know, I want to work on his team in the, in the Teach Coalition. And I immediately jumped to it because I already knew Maury for years working at the OU. And he was always like a cool, fun guy, you know, in the office. But, you know, I never had a chance to work with him directly. You know, and once working on his team, I realized that working for him was, was, was such a fun experience because of his leadership style. And he gives you the, the opportunity to kind of innovate and work within the parameters of what you need to do to win. So, you know, you talked about, you know, your work defending young people and helping them out in, in Tennessee. Now you're working with also young people, right. students, parents in schools. Do you see a link between your life's work and these pieces coming together? Is it just a random fluke or do you think you've found uh found these things because that's an area that that's so important to you absolutely i do i do see the synergy and the connection there and 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 especially moving into this more programmatic role before i worked at the ou and it was it wasn't really i wasn't directly working in a program but seeing the mission of teach coalition and what it does for um yeshiva and day school students across the country and it's a it's it's an important an important field and and it, it represents you know a benefit to all the people in America not just you know the Jewish people or Klal Israel you know so I I think it's a very important thing that you know it, it it's like if I'm helping one group of or class of people it doesn't matter who they are it's I'm I'm making a difference in the future of our country and our society. Did you ever think you'd be working so intimately within the Jewish Orthodox? As you put it, Klal Yisrael work. Right. Did you ever think that that's where you no, ended up? No, no, I definitely, I, that definitely was a, a peculiar instance that, that, that came into my life. But now it just makes so much sense. Growing up in New York, I would say that Jewish culture, Jewish people is, is so part of the fabric of New York society. Mm. So it wasn't as if I, I'd never been, you know, you know, had a connection to Jewish people or Jewish culture. And I did, so like for me, it's a very New York tradition. I feel very comfortable here. It's not alien to me. And we feel very comfortable with you being here as well. If somebody came to you, right, you're in the advancement department, that's part of what you do also, and said, Dean, I want to give a million dollars to you to do whatever you want at the OU. What do you see? Where do you see the needs? I think that what, one thing that I think that could be expanded upon is the um, intra-organizational uh, like efforts of the OU to connect to other Jewish and, and, and secular nonprofit organizations around the country and to elevate the platform of the OU even outside of the Jewish world to the, just the general population of, the, of, of America to, to, you know, in a, in, in to synergize and to tell the story of the OU and its mission, but also to collaborate with outside organizations, which we may not have done that in the past, to create new, you know, new, new opportunities for the OU and, and our organization. I think that would, you know, I, I mean, that's a broad idea, but I think that something like that would be an amazing addition and, and synergy to what we already are trying to do when it comes to things on the national and the state Great. level. Great idea. You know, people pass by you, you pass by them in the hallways, wherever you go on your travels. What's something 
most interesting thing about Dean, you've found a lot of stuff today, but right. something interesting that's happened to you or something that you would want people to know about you that they, they don't, they may not know. I just, I think that, you know, like I'm a very eclectic person and, you know, I have very many different interests. So for me, I'm, I'm most passionate about uh, what other people are doing. And like, I, I can, I, I really love to learn about the, the, the work that people do. And, and so I wouldn't call that I, what's interesting about me. It's just what, what I'm interested about others is that I have a, a vast and open, open book of, of potentiality that, you know, like if somebody came up to me and said, I, I, lo I love your feedback on a certain project, I, 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 love, I love to learn about new things and to grow through those things and to, and to find the, 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 um, the, common, the commonality between very different things. Is that how you approach marketing and development and teach? And yeah, absolutely. I think that they, there's, there's a lot of things that you can find, needles in the haystack, that seem like they're unrelated that actually when you put them together, you see that there's way more in common than there are different and that you can learn from both the differences and those similarities and, and build from that to make something new. We're gonna switch it up a little bit. We do what we call rapid fire. Right. I'm gonna throw some questions at you. There are no wrong answers except for the wrong answers. <laughs> okay. All right, we're gonna go, you ready? Yeah. Okay, if you hold a gold leaf up to the light, what color does it look like? Oh, I, I'm not really, I should ask, I wish I could phone in my wife, who's an artist, she would know that with color theory. Um, I'm just gonna guess white. Okay. <laughs> Among land animals, what species has the largest eyes? Wow, um, bugs? I would say relative to their, their relative size. Not relative. Oh, I mean, actual, like actual size? Yeah. And you're saying between mammals or reptiles, or is that what you mean? Or just what I didn't species? know I was going to be quizzed. This is going to be <laughs> rapid fire for you to answer the questions. Um, I would I would say uh, uh, some sort of monkey, some sort of okay. like nocturnal monkey, or or no, an owl. Let me say an owl. All right, you, the bird family is actually clo you're closer. Closer. On that. You're closer okay. on that. <laughs> Which continent hosted, has hosted the Olympics the most times? Oh, um, I'll give you a hint. Do you know where the Olympics are going to be hosted this coming summer? I, I haven't, I haven't heard. Okay. Um, what, uh, Europe? You got it. There we go. The okay. original. You got it. Very important question. You know, we have a track on our floors, right? And there are these signs that you can, you can do the walking track of the OU. How many laps around the OU does it take to walk a mile? I believe I remember from the sign, it's either, it's either two laps or 2.2 laps. You're going to need to do some more walking because it's more than that. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Now, were you here the other day for the, uh, the OU snack day? You know, we have these snack days every, every, every month. Mm -hmm. We had some honey. Were you here for the honey day? I, I wasn't here, but I heard about it. Okay. So there were a few different flavors. Mm. We want you to figure out which was the most popular. Ready? Key lime pie. <laughs> pumpkin, vanilla, cocoa, or coconut? Um, pumpkin. Now it's time to turn the table. You have any questions for me? Sure. I, I mean, I would love to know what, what your thoughts on the future of the OU is when it, in terms of like, where do you see the OU going in 10, 15, 20 years from now um, in terms of 
as an organization, whether it's its mission, the, the formation of its departments, or you know other innovations that you may see that we may have to undertake in the in the future. You know, I I, I try not to think beyond three to five years because it's very hard to do that. Um, but uh, Jim Collins writes about what he calls BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Mm. And they have to be 30 years out. And if you think about the world 30 years from now, what could the OU be? Where will the OU be? Right? So we're expanding some of our activity in Israel because we think that we look at the population, the demographics, a lot of Jews and a lot of activity going on over there. Right? So I, I can imagine that that's going to become even more uh, a greater uh, emphasis in the future. One thing I will tell you is a lot of what we do, it's about this. It's about the personal interaction. And that's both internal to the office and the operations and how we do things, but it's also in terms of our engagement with other people. And the only way we'll be able to get the exponential growth that we see coming is by having more people join our team, mm. right? And there have to be people who we get interested and get excited about doing this kind of work, which is why it's so important for you to be able to share your story here because, you know, you didn't have the most direct path to be sitting right. here at the OU. And now how long have you been at the OU? 12 now, years? Nine years. Nine years. About approaching my 10th year. Amazing. Yeah. Right? And who knew? Right? How many other deans are there? Oh, well, there are not a lot of deans out there in the world. That we know. <laughs> but how many people like you are right. out there where, wow, I could, you know, make an impact like this mm. and have this kind of influence? And we have to find those people. Maybe we have to come recruit at your, one of your collectives. Right. <laughs> Creative people. Mm -hmm. People people. And so that's one of my big dreams and visions for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road mm. is that we have more and more people like you. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, 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 I can't wait to see it in, in the future. I'll still be here, I'm sure. What's it like to work in a Jewish organization? So I would say that it's, it's similar to most organizations. Everybody works really hard and, and focuses on their job, but there's a level of commitment and passion to the mission at hand, whether across the departments that you don't see very often these days, especially in you know, the corporate or legal environment even. Because of that passion that people bring to their jobs, they, they, they bring more care, a little bit more attention to detail, a little bit more you know, uh, bandwidth to discuss and, and to learn more and to make sure they're getting things right. And so that's, that's one of the things that I've, I've been impressed with my colleagues here. Certainly something that you bring is that attention to detail and that passion as well. Right. <laughs> I'm well known for these, those, my memos in my 20 page, you know, documentation. I always know when Maury presents me something when you've written it. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Any other things, anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Anybody you want to say hello to back home? You know, you <laughs> did some good shout outs, but. Uh, um, not, not particularly. I just, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to, and I, I think it's a, this is an exciting initiative to learn more about the, the staff and the different departments of the OU. 
And we really, I think that it, I, I speak for the entire OU when we thank you and appreciate the, the, the new energy and attention that you bring to our departments and our staff. Music has played an important role in your life. Sure. One of your hobbies, music, poetry, deaf poetry, slam. Yes. I've had the opportunity to hear once you deliver. Is it something you do regularly? Is that, is that a hobby of yours? Yeah, so that, that's, that's one of my biggest passions. Um, basically, back in college, I, I used to go to poetry open mics. And um, I had a background in writing lyrics for when I was in a band. And then I stopped that when I went to college. But then I just I still kept writing like poetry and short prose. And then I, I found out about this open mic scene and I started going to these these events regularly. And to the point where I was such a regular that when the host couldn't make it one day, he asked if I could host. And then that became a lifelong thing, obsession with mine. I ended up becoming a host of my own shows, running my own collective of poets. And uh, for the last 11, 15 years, I've been performing poetry all over, first in Tennessee and then in New York, where I started the second collective and hosting shows all the time. So, and you still do that yes, today? Yes. And my, my fiance, she also performs poetry. I, I recently performed poetry maybe a few, a few weeks ago. So I, it's, it's something I, I have a lot of. And with slam poetry, you, you have to have some poems re ready to go. So I always have like a couple poems ready when I'm, when I'm ready to perform. Really? You have a couple of poems ready to go right now? Yeah. I had a feeling you might ask me. So Let's I, go. <laughs> you got ready? something? I'm ready. Okay. So I'm word up. When I say word up, you say word up. Word up. Word up. Twist like cylindrical music, crinkled round waves, rustled leaf vortex, unicorn shell mix, sandcastle tower. Smokestack with bricklay, moving down spiral. Diamond mint drill allays my sunken in tunnels. Funnel upside down from molasses that drips into teardrops into my taste buds. Rock thud and raindrop. Hip hop and wristwatch. Time fire. Mind pyre. Implosion. Twist. Tornado face cross-eyed. Milky way ride mind. Nervous cestina timberous waxer. Dream capture. Bled in a nose drip and rain ditch like a sniffling cheat snitch. I don't get away. Twist like dreams spun in a coffee. Concentric round smoke rings brings curled up twine like desperate bell rings. Fingers spun ball rays. Drunken down falling with love for a feeling thrown inside of fish wire rushes. Inside of your wriggling beauty worm inside of my green. Twist. Whiskers, a meow blip, sloshes, mix paint sticks, fire pit, olive pit, mind cloud, and cold breath, aloneness, how I want to get closer in the bed of your heart, twist. Word up. Word up. That's wow. <laughs> what, what does that mean? So each stanza and each line is a twist. Is a, it, the word twist, it's, it's either an image of a twist or a metaphor for a twist, or it's a twist in the plot point, or it's something that's round, something that's cylindrical, something that spirals. So I tried to bring all these different images in that poem and show how everyone is a twist, whether it's literal, metaphoric, or conceptual. So that's what's what a meow blip? Exactly, meow blip means nothing. So it's like whiskers, a meow blip. What does that mean? This and sounds that, and cool. They, that was thrown in there. Just, you know, because it rhymed, but also to confuse the audience, be like, what? And that's a twist in itself. 
you know. Great. <laughs> Great. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you.